Welcome to the official Jets podcast, Eric Allen and Leger Doosable here in studio. Doos, it has been a while. I am so pumped that you are part of our content team throughout the regular season. Not only is Doos going to be on the official Jets podcast, but he is also going to be on Jets game day with Robert Sala that premieres Sunday, 1130 here locally on CBS. Yeah, EA feels like nostalgia, right? <laughs> I haven't been here since two. I think 2015 or maybe 16 was my last year because I think we played a game in January in 20, uh, the 2015 season. So, I mean, it feels good to be back on one, one Jets drive in the studio with you. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, I'm pumped for it all throughout the regular season. The official Jets podcast is presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. We also have some exciting News on the podcast front to announce Ethan Greenberg is going to be joined by Cynthia Freeland for a game preview podcast weekly. But let's start off here, Leger, by talking about all the roster moves Joe Douglas had to make to get to this point. Any surprises? There weren't a lot of surprises. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise for everybody was the release of Bless Austin, a guy that was still a young guy only in his third year and was kind of like the veteran of the quarterback position. Most of the guys that are on the roster are either rookies or year two players. So I think that was a big surprise. And then Jeff Smith, I love it, the underdog story, making a team. Like, I can't remember the last time I said that we were deep at receiver. The Jets were deep at receiver. And this is a guy that, you know, throughout training camp was sometimes with the ones, sometimes with the twos, sometimes with the threes. But every opportunity he got, he showed. And a guy like Vincent Smith, who they brought back on practice squad, I thought he had a chance to make the team. But I was glad that they were able to get both of them back on the, on the roster. Well, what did you think about the trades? The Jets had a clear need at defensive end after Carl Lawson unfortunately went down. And Joe Douglas, I thought, made a great value play obtaining your former teammate yeah. Shaq Lawson from Houston. Yeah, yeah, it just makes total sense, right? You talk about the value for the player that you're getting. Now, Shaq Lawson is not going to kill you with gaudy sack numbers. But this guy has a lot of energy, plays with a lot of heart. He can dominate in the run game, and I think that's where he can really help this Jets defensive front, being a rotational guy. And if he can get that four to six range, I believe his, his career high was six with the Buffalo Bills before he signed to Miami last year. If he can stay in that range, it'll prove well for the Jets going down the stretch. All right, speaking of Shaq Lawson, we're going to have him on the podcast here in just a few moments. We were able to catch up with him here this week as the Jets prepare for – the regular season week one opener against the Carolina We're Panthers. Here. It is here already. How about the value on that trade? Chris Herndon yeah. going to Minnesota. They got some injuries at the tight end position. So Joe Douglas ships Herndon and a six gets a four back. Yeah. Think about this. The Jets have two first round picks next April, yeah. two second round picks next April. I believe two fours and two fives as well. And that's what you talk about, right? The compensation for Herndon. And I don't think his value would have been any higher if you had traded him later in the season. To me, Minnesota was in a dire straits, right? Irv Smith, their tight end, had gotten hurt. And they needed somebody to fill that void. And I think Joe D did a great job getting great value, getting a fourth-round pick. Mm. Usually that doesn't happen in training camp. Most guys that get traded around training camp, six, seven-round pick is usually what happens. For you to get a fourth-round pick is major compensation. For a guy, Chris Herndon has a lot of ability, but has struggled with consistency. How about the guys down the roster? You made NFL clubs after going undrafted yourself. How about uh, when you look at that Jets roster, you mentioned the youth. You got 
10-person draft class, 12 rookies in all, an undrafted free agent cornerback, yeah. Isaiah, Isaiah Dunn out of Oregon exactly. State. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. I always root for the undrafted guy, right? My guy when I was here was, was Snack Harrison. Mm. He was an undrafted guy. This is a guy that after practice we would sit in the hot box, we would sit in the cold tub. And I remember in 2013 when I got here, and that's when Snacks became the starter at Nose Tackle. He was like, dudes, he's like, I don't, I don't know why, but they, they finally giving me the opportunity. They're finally letting me be the guy. And I was like, bro, you've earned it. Like, right. you've went out there, you put your time in. And you prove that you deserve to be the starting nose tackle on this team. And this is a guy I still talk to routinely. I talk to Snacks probably three or four times a week. That's my guy. And when you're an undrafted guy, and I was blessed to play 10 years, you really do, you know, gravitate to guys that are undrafted. So, like, when I see a Bryce Huff do well, I, I get excited. You know, when Isaiah Dunn does well, I get excited because it, – and it's been like that my whole career. Even when I was with Buffalo, me and, and Lorenzo – um, were together, and he was an undrafted guy, and he was in, like, year 11. We just gravitate. Lorenzo Alexander. Alexander. We just gravitate to each other because you know how the strain and how hard it took for you to get to that point. When you're an undrafted guy, man, it's like you're a walk-on in, 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 as, as opposed to, like, in college, you're a walk-on in the NFL. So you're literally at the bottom of the barrel. So you literally have to fight for every rep that you get, and then you don't have that many opportunities to make mistakes. So when you have your reps, you have to take full advantage of those reps because tomorrow's not promised. How about this? Where are the strengths on this roster right now? Where are maybe some of the holes or positions that don't have great depth? And where are the great unknowns? <laughs> to me, the, the strength un undoubtedly is the defensive tackle position. If you look at what, what the Jets have done, you know, and Joe D, you know, Quentin Williams was a first-round pick a few years ago. Sheldon Rankins, Joe D brings him in this year. Foley Fadakasi is, is a grown man-child, especially in that run game at the nose. And then you still got Nathan Shepard. And a guy that I really like is Jonathan Marshall. This guy showed really well in preseason. And to me, he's got freakish ability for a guy that size. And he has crazy strength. Mm. <clears throat> if they can get that ability out of him and he can get maybe 10 to 15 reps throughout the air and you build that up to 20, I think he can be a, a really good player down the road. A, a, a group that doesn't have as much depth that we thought had a lot of depth would be the linebacking position. With Jared Davis getting hurt, it kind of – really hurt that position group, right? You got potentially two rookies starting next to the perennial Pro Bowl, C.J. Mosley. So you're talking about the youth movement that you talked about, EA. That group is, is really struggled. And then the, the obvious group that everybody is talking about, the, the cornerback position, it's, it's really young. You know, first and second year players throughout the whole roster, not a lot of experience there. But the th great thing is with this defense and Robert Sala, he's not going to put too much onus and pressure on those young corners. He will be in a lot of cover three, which can turn into man coverage if you're talking about guys that are running go routes and fade routes. You got to be hip to hip with that guy. And, you know, three deep concept, that corner is going to have to take that you know, number, one, number one receiver all the way. If, and especially in week one, you got Robbie Anderson, a guy that, you know, they're going to throw the ball to him in the post. They're going to throw the ball on the fade and, and go routes to him. So, that, that's the time the corners have to make plays. But uh, to me, the, the, the group that, you know, probably not as deep uh, with a lot of you is that, that cornerback position, obviously. Why is cover three advantageous if you were a young player? Because, you know, Robert Sala continues to say that, hey, we're not going to throw too much at these yeah. guys. We just want them to absorb what we do give them and then just to play fast. Yeah, so if you're looking at the cover three, 
you're not going to be in man-to-man coverage like guys that are running, you know, comeback routes, guys that are running post routes. You have that safety in the middle that's going to help you out. You're not going to have a be on an island with that guy one-on-one. And then also those seam routes, you're going to have the linebackers be able to, to carry the guy underneath for a while. And you have help uh, over the top with the three defenders in the back end. So this defense is really predicated off the defensive line. You know, the cover corners, he'll mix it up every once in a while and go some man blitzes here and there. But the onus is going to be on the defensive line to create pre- uh, pressure. That way the quarterback can't hold the ball, and there isn't a lot of pressure on those young guys in the secondary. Is Rankin's a guy flying under the radar? We talk about Quinn and Williams all the time. He's an emerging star. We know that. Rankin's himself a former first-round yep. pick. And I remember talking to you on the field at the green and white practice at MetLife Stadium. You said this guy has a wide array of moves. And, and that's the thing that uh, people aren't talking about enough. I think him – and Quentin Williams, the pair, is a very underrated duo in the NFL. I'm not saying it's the best defensive tackle duo in the NFL, but it's very underrated because if you look at what Quentin Williams did, he was an ascending player, over seven sacks last year. Sheldon Rankins has gotten over seven sacks in his career for a season before too. This is a guy that has an assortment of pass rush moves from the three technique. And if you talk about this defense, right, that's why they brought Carl Lawson in because when Carl Lawson was in Cincinnati – he only had five and a half sacks, and a lot of it was because he didn't have the defensive tackles to press that pocket. So when he got to the quarterback, he was able to step up and throw the ball. Well, now in this defense with those two big guys up front, ain't going to be too many, too many quarterbacks stepping up, EA. <laughs> and then the ends, we talk about a guy like Shaq Lawson. He's not a real big, crazy, you know, gaudy sack number guy, but he's a guy that can use his long arm, come off inside, and when the quarterback tries to step up, he can't. He can collect some sacks like that. All right, what's the four one one on Robert Sala? We're we're seeing it from yeah. afar, but you were in the meeting rooms in San Francisco. You lined up for him when he was the defensive coordinator when the 49ers were at the start of their transition. And that team in 2019 won 13 games in advance of the Super Bowl and probably should have beat you know who. Yeah, they they should have beat the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> but you know, that's that's all in the past. But yeah, the Jets are in that situation right now, right? Building building from the ground up. And the thing about Robert Sala is the thing that players really gravitate to is he's authentic, right? The same guy he is on the camera is the same guy he is off the camera. He brings that energy day in and day out. And you feed off of that as a player, right? Players know when guys aren't authentic and, and, and they're full of it. And the thing is, as a player, you want your coach to be authentic. And then you want to play for a guy that brings that energy. You, you just stated in 2017 – I was there. It was a rough start to the year. You know, went 0-9 the first nine games. And this guy was still bringing that energy every single day. And then he's just a great leader of men. He knows how to bring a group together to get the job done. And and on the practice field, he likes having fun. He's he's very animated, as you can tell yeah. by some of the videos. And, and players feed off that. Still to this day, the only guy I know that wears cleats on the field. And I'm going to kind of get after him about that a little bit, too. Since he's become head coach, I haven't really seen him out there with cleats. I'm going to say, I'm going to tell him, hey, coach, I think you're feeling yourself a little bit. You're not wearing cleats out there. What's what's going on? Even though you're the head coach and you're surveying everything, I still want you running up and down the field because that's the guy he is, and players really feed off of that. And then down the stretch, we won six of the last seven when I was in San Francisco. It's because of the guy he was, the guy that he was, you know, always out there just giving us energy and we were motivated to play we had some dominant performances I believe versus Chicago Bears we only gave up seven points that game and and on defense I think we only had like 40 plays so it was three and out three and out three and out three and out and we dominated and it's because we you know we had he had a plan we stuck to it and we didn't we didn't uh waver 
even though we started off 0-9. Uh, we're going to have to talk to Salah about his workouts, too, because they're, <laughs> they're already becoming legendary oh, here 100%. that he gets here so early in the morning. And you look at him on the field, it looks like uh, Robert Salah could get out there and play a few snaps. Listen, I came away awfully impressed from what I heard from others who have been inside the meeting rooms who is not, who are not even players or former players. Mm-hmm. Curtis Martin came out here one of the first training camp practices, and, and he was in and he witnessed one of the team meetings, and he said, I would love playing for a guy like this. He has a way of connecting with people. He is a leader. He saw yeah. that just being in the meeting room. What is a Robert Sala-led meeting like? It's fun, man. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of energy, like – I'll take you into one of our meetings. Matter of fact, I'll take you into the meeting the day before the game. Yeah. So we have our script where we break down um, different personnel that we're going to see for the opposing team. And he runs through a script like it's an actual game, right? He'll call out the play. The linebackers will make their calls. D-line and then the secondary will make their calls. And we'll run through that script. But I think the thing that is so unique is so interactive in that period. But then the thing that's really great at the end of that that he does that I haven't seen any other coach do is that at the end of that – He'll put up a highlight tape, right, of two players, but it'll be their college highlight tape. Like, getting you to, to, to realize why you love the game. Like, it brings up chills, like, seeing yourself, you know, me going to UCF, seeing me taking down quarterbacks while I was at UCF. Uh, we had Eric Armstead, who was at Oregon, and then DeForest Buckner, showing some of their highlights. They're like, it was so unique. It was a small thing, but it's unique, right? Just to have that fun in that room with your brothers, it really brings you closer together as a tight-knit group. Let's talk about the matchup here. Uh, Jets open up at Carolina. Uh, a lot of people say the NFL has a lot of humor yeah, when they're making their schedules. Storylines. So, of story course, lines. you have Zach Wilson, the number two overall selection in the draft, leading the Jets against his predecessor here with the Jets, of course, that was Sam Darnold, who Joe Douglas shipped to Carolina prior to the draft. Yeah, and, and that's what the NFL is about, right? EA storylines. They want to build up. The hype is like TNT, drama. We love drama. So the thing is, you got Sam Donald who got dumped by his ex-girlfriend, right? And then now you got the new girlfriend coming in town. And to me, all the pressure is on Sam Donald, right? Mm. This is a guy that got traded away. And in his mind, he's probably thinking, well, you guys didn't want me. And you, you quote-unquote, have already upgraded me with the next girl. So he's going to feel like he has to go prove himself out there. And rightfully so, he has to do that anyway. Because I don't know how many more chances he's going to get to become a starting quarterback. Like, you know, Matt Rule traded for him. They want him to be the guy that didn't really bring in a lot of competition to go against him. So, to me, him going against his old team is a little bit added pressure because he has got he feels like he has to go out there and prove that you guys made a mistake by trading. Uh, and, dudes, you just don't feel this way because you're a former defensive lineman, but you just looking at it as a game analyst, you yeah. think the Jets' defensive line – has to win, and they have to win big in order for the green and white to come home with a victory. Yeah, yeah. for the just to have a chance in this game, the defensive line has to dominate. And if you look at this Carolina Panther O-line, besides the right tackle, Taylor Moten, this this is a – I won't say it's a trivial O-line, but it's an O-line that the defensive line can take advantage of. Like, there's, there's no war beaters on that offensive line for the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, it's going to come down to stopping Christian McCaffrey. And the defensive line has to do that in the run game and then also – affect him trying to catch passes out of the backfield, whether that's chipping him when he's going on the outside or creating that pressure on Sam Donald when he tries to find Christian McCaffrey out on those option routes when he's matched up one-on-one with a linebacker. That way they have some missed timing and he doesn't get the ball to him 
in open space because that's what Carolina wants to do. Like, Christian McCaffrey is one of the most dynamic players in the NFL. One of three players in NFL history to go for 1,000 yards receiving and rushing. So this guy can get it done with the ball in his hand. So the Jets defensive line has to create havoc and stop him in the run game, but then also affect Sam Donner on the pass game when he tries to check down the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see his usage early because, like you said, basically last season was a wash for McCaffrey. But if you're Carolina and you're Joe Brady – you want to get the ball in his hands 25-plus times because, like you said, he's not just, hey, I'm going to hand the ball off to yeah. him. I'm going to dump the ball off to him. I'm going to get him running routes because this guy is a special offensive talent. And they do have some skill position guys who are explosive on the outside, whether that be Robbie Anderson, a former Jet, or DJ Moore, of course, or Terrace Marshall. They're yeah. very high on him. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Everything so far has not seemed too big for Zach Wilson. What do you think about what he's going to be looking at in that Carolina Panthers defense? Because mostly in those two preseason games that we saw Wilson, he was facing backups from the Giants and the Packers. Yeah, and that's the thing about Zach Wilson. He's been poised throughout this whole preseason. And people have been talking about, well, look at who he was playing. You play whoever they put out there if you're a quarterback or any player in this league. You can't, you know, be like, well, he's only played the twos this preseason. Well, that's who he played against. And the thing is, I saw his growth throughout the preseason from the green and white scrimmage where he struggled to get to that second read a lot faster to, you know, the Giants game, to the Green Bay game. He got to his reads a lot faster. And you think that is something that him and Mike LaFleur had to be working on, getting to that read quicker because in this this Mike LaFleur system, you have to get the ball out of your hand and you have to know where you're going with the ball and you have to be accurate with the football. And that's something that we saw the, the, the last couple of weeks with Zach Wilson, him getting comfortable in this offense. And then we didn't see a lot of the off-platform throws, but we did see one in the Green Bay game. Pocket breaks down, he rolls out to the right and throws a absolute laser beam to Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. And that's what really separates him, that arm talent, man. He can make any throw off-platform throws, and I think Michael Ford has done a great job in scheming things up for Zach Wilson and just making the game easy for him. Do you think this plays to the Jets' advantage that Elijah Moore did not play in the preseason and he was kid dynamite yeah. out there on the field in training camp, man. Yeah. They were moving him all over the place across the formation. I love what LaFleur does with his motions, but he's a guy who can line up. In the slot, yep. he can move outside, outside the numbers, yep. jet sweeps. There's nothing that he doesn't bring to the table. Yeah, he's like hitting Weapon X. And even at Ole Miss, he took some of the, the carries out of the backfield, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets do a little of some of that. You know, speed sweep is a big part of this offense. That jet sweep, we saw it in some of the preseason games. I believe Jeff Smith had a few. I, I guarantee that Elijah Moore will probably get one or two of those a game if you look at what San Francisco did with Debo Samuels or Brandon Ayuk. He runs that jet sweep at least three or four times a game. So, you know, Elijah Moore is so dynamic. Like you said, he he can play in the slot. He can play on the outside. He can do everything. He's weapon X for the Jets. And it might be good that he didn't play. But he actually played a little bit in the Giants game. But um, I think that's that's a weapon that is good that they didn't see a lot of tape on because I think they're going to use him in so many different ways. And we actually have a really good starting group. Um, we don't know what's going on with the Crowder situation, but if he comes back right. and is ready to play. And uh, Corey Davis, uh, people aren't talking about this. I guy. agree. Like, if, you're, if you're a fantasy <laughs> owner, I, I, I took him. I took him in like the eighth round. Cause <laughs> hit the rapport, and people were worried about the rapport he had with Zach Wilson in the beginning of the season. Well, by the end of the season, he was force-feeding this guy the ball, and I think they will force-feed him the ball. Yes, we know he has a rapport with Elijah 
Elijah Moore because they're both rookie mates. They came in together. But what he did with Corey Davis in that Green Bay game, yep. feeding him the ball, the rapport is there. And from everything that I've been hearing from practice, that rapport is getting stronger and stronger. And Corey Davis is a big physical receiver, right? He's going to kill you in those intermediate routes, but he's not a small guy. Like, if you saw during the preseason game, one guy wasn't bringing this guy down. So when you have him and you throw those intermediate routes like the digs, the quick out routes, he can take some of those routes and it could be like a six or seven, eight-yard catch, but he could turn it into 15. I completely agree <laughs> with that. He averaged over 15 yards a catch last season yeah. for Tennessee. He's also going to help on the outside in terms of being that big body yeah. guy who can get after you in the run game, right, on the perimeter. And, and that's so important that you brought that up because the receivers blocking in this run game mm. is monumental. If you look at what they did in San Francisco with Raheem Mostert, those guys on the outside, Debo Samuels is a bigger receiver type guy. Brandon Ayuk, a bigger receiver type. These guys block down the field, and I like a guy like, you know, we have Mims is a big body guy mm -hmm. that can block. Corey Davis is going to block. Even Elijah Moore, he might be smaller in stature, but he will get after you, and we saw some of that in the Giants game. These guys are willing blockers. Keelan Cole is a willing blocker. That's what's going to pop some of those big runs for, for Ty Johnson and, and Michael Carter or even, even P. Ryan when he decides to get healthy. And then Tevin Coleman, you know, the veteran back there, he's played in this system all going all the way back to Atlanta. So yep, he knows right. exactly what to do in this system. So with the stable, stable of backs that New York Jets have, it's so pivotal and important for those receivers to block down the field. What does the motion offensively do? I know, yeah. uh, I know people at home are going to say, well, you're either the defense has got to declare man or zone, but it's more than that. What yeah. do the motions do? So the thing about Michael Force system and that motion, there's so many things that it does, right? Yes, it declares whether you're in zone and man, but some of the, the, the stuff he does with the jet sweep motion, right? It, it buys your eyes, right? So guys are thinking that the ball is going to the jet sweep. Next thing you know, it's the zone to the left, right? It's buying your eyes. It's buying your discipline on defense, right? You have to really read your keys and keep your eyes on your work because he's throwing so many different motions at you. You don't know exactly who's getting involved. And if you're not correct with your, your discipline, your, your eyes and your reads, then you're talking about a, a, a running play that can go out the gate for 15, 20, 30 yards. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. All right, let's get to a couple things quickly before we bring in Shaq Lawson. Um, favorite opening day memory for you? Do uh, I have one? Yeah, I do, and I love that you brought this up, PA. <laughs> so it actually was the year I got here in 2013, and you'll remember this with the Jets. We are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm -hmm. and this game went down to the wire, and this was actually Reeves' first game playing against the Jets after he had just been traded there. So it looked, it looked bleak for us at the end of the game, but we were able to make a big play on offense with Geno Smith and then Folk Hero coming on. I actually happened to be on that field goal team protecting, coming on and drilling the game winner. I – I, till this day, still have never seen Metlaff like that. It was it was rocking that day, man, because that really showed the adversity, like our team, you know, fighting through adversity, coming together. And and that team, like, it was a family. It was a real brotherhood with Rex Ryan. Everybody had each other's back on that team. And like I said, we were brothers, and we never thought that we were out of that game. And for Folk Hero to come on and make that kick, man, I remember when he made that kick. I literally ran 100, I want to say 150 yards around in circle, just so excited, man, because – 
a lot of people may or may not know this, the year before I had torn my pec. Mm. So a lot of people thought I was done. And I was able to come back. Rex gave me a chance with Carl Dunbar. And I felt like this was finally the system that was really fit for me. And I felt at home in the system. So for them to give me that chance and for us to have that opening day memory and, and get that win for versus Tampa Bay was was amazing. Yeah, I, I can't wait until week two, that home opener, because he did not have an opportunity to play in front of fans last yeah. year at MetLife Stadium. There's a lot of excitement around this team with Robert Sala. The belief, the direction is there with Joe Douglas and Sala. Of course, the rookie quarterback. So, and you got the hated Patriots coming uh, to town. That's going to add even more. You know? The Patriots coming here. It's going to be home opener. In life. Who else would you rather play for the home opener than bring the Patriots here with the rookie quarterback? And then storylines, right? You yeah. got Mac Jones, another first round yeah. pick. You're paying week one. You got you got <laughs> Zach Wilson going against Sam Donald, and then week two, right? The NFL knows what they're doing. You got Zach Wilson going against Mac Jones, another first round quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk uh, much more about that uh, next week. Hey, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, you are a renaissance man, so mm-hmm. you do a little bit of everything. And um, this week, yeah. actor Michael K. Williams passed. Man. And what what can you say about what he brought to the table on The Wire and also Boardwalk Empire, of course? Yeah, very, very it was it's sad, first and foremost. Um, rest in peace to Michael K. Williams. And then um, what he brought as an actor was he was just a he was a great actor, and I don't think he was appreciated enough for the roles that he played in. Like his role in The Wire was amazing, mm. like transcending. And then Chucky as as in Boardwalk, like this guy had depth as an actor. And then if you look at Lovecraft, what he just did in that you know in that series on HBO was so amazing. And then one of my favorite roles that he played in was in the Assassin Assassin Creed. Mm. Like I don't think he got enough love for his role in there. He was he was amazing in that role and it's just a very sad situation. Yeah, uh, amazing. He was only 54 years old yeah. and and if you haven't had the opportunity to watch some of his appearances and Leger and I were talking about it yeah. uh actually yesterday that he was in so, so many, many movies. different movies and so many different roles and what a tremendous actor and finally We'd be remiss if we didn't touch upon uh, 9-11, 20 years later. The Jets play September 12, 2021. You were a young buck at that time. But uh, throughout your time here, you've really embraced New York, its fan base, the people. Uh, What first comes to mind with 9-11? Oh, man. um, It sucks to say this, but I kind of remember it like it was yesterday. I remember being in high school when – and we had a lot of kids from New York. I grew up in Tampa. We had a lot of kids from New York that were, you know, migrated, families migrated to Tampa, but they still had family members that lived in New York. And getting that news that day, it just almost didn't seem real. Like everybody thought, just thought it was like a bad joke. Mm. Um, and just to hear, you know, I had a, a few classmates that had family members that worked in the towers. So it was, it was just so surreal, man. And then like, it's crazy to think that it's been that many years, 20 years since that happened. And, you know, shout out to, you know, all the, the firemen and first responders, police officers just showed up. Um, like, it's it's just so surreal to even to, to think about that, that day. And it will go down as one of the worst days in American history. Uh, I totally agree. Well said. I remember working at the Jets facility on the campus of Hofstra University in Long Island. And it was a Tuesday. It was a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. And on my drive home, 
you could see the towers. Um, and then the PR VP at the time, Frank Ramos, a legendary uh, PR figure here for the Jets, yelled across the hall to myself and Jared Winley, who is the vice president of public relations now here at the Jets, and said, turn on the TV. A plane hit, hit uh, the towers, one of the towers. And we thought all along that, hey, it must have been a small plane and yeah. somehow somebody lost control and whatever. And then the devastation that followed was just, um, it was crushing and tragic. And to, to think that it's been 20 years, I agree with you. It feels like it was yesterday, mm -hmm. but countless thousands, not only did we lose the thousands in the attack themselves, in the attack itself, but also how many people were affected and continue to be affected and impacted directly after that. So mm. um, we do, uh, you know, it, it just makes you think, it puts everything into perspective. For and sure. also you, you said it as far as the first responders are concerned, there are a lot of great people who live in our community every day who put themselves on the line for others and that's what it's all about and i think uh next week we'll be able to celebrate together at a football game and that will be cool but uh we'll never forget 9-11 never yeah, never at all WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Leger, let's bring in a former teammate right now, Shaq Lawson. A.K.A. Ty Crane. What's up, my guy? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I can't complain, man. Uh, quick question. I just want to know this. When you found out you were getting traded here to the New York Jets, what was the conversation between you and Joe Douglas and Robert Sala? Uh, Joe Douglas told me he wanted he liked the en energy the guy I, I bring to this team, you know, uh, he brought up that one incident where uh, I think I'm teammates with my, um, Connor right now about the incident I had got into it with him after the game. So he was basically saying we need that that type of dog in this locker room, you know. I'm I'm kind of like the older guy here, you know. We got a couple older guys like C.J. Mosley, Sheldon Rankins, but then I'm the next third oldest. So uh, that's basically what he told me when when I had got traded. <laughs> So, Shaq, let's address it right out of the gate then. You just talked about it. What what was the incident that happened with you and Connor McGovern? Of course, McGovern at the time playing with the Denver Broncos, you lining up with the Buffalo Bills, and uh, video cameras were around postgame for uh, some pleasantries. Oh, yeah. I, I guess it started like um, I had checked in the game or something. He was like, you Shaq Lawson or something. I couldn't, he was like, I couldn't remember you or something. So after the game, I ended up having like two sacks. I seen him coming to talk to Mitch Morris. They were former teammates. And then I just let him have it. Just just John, just competitive moment of me. Um, so that's that's all that happened with that. So has that beef been squashed is the next question. Cause I remember the incident, they were playing it all over Sports Center. Showtime was playing on inside the NFL. I got two sacks on you. I got two sacks on you. 
Oh, yeah, that beat squash, man. I, I, we squashed that last year because I said something to him. I, I didn't realize he had played for the Jets last year. And I looked, I said, what's up, McGovern? Uh, Connor, how you doing, man? He said, we good, man. And he was like, we good. So we had squashed that last year when I was with Miami, and he was up here. Shaq, how would you describe the past year? You were an effective player with the Miami Dolphins last year, and then you get traded in the offseason, and then you're traded again. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, sir. This offseason has been crazy. Um, been traded like three months. But, um, yeah, um, going to Houston. I, I, uh, going to Houston. Um, yeah, I had a great year in Miami. Uh, Houston traded for me. Uh, thought I was going to be that guy, but things didn't work out down there um, like I didn't want it to. Uh, and I, at the time, I, I seen that these guys needed help. But, yeah, so – it was a great opportunity for me when I got traded to the Jets. That's the first thing I asked when they traded me, where I get traded to. And I was excited when I found out it was the Jets. So what has you most excited about this scheme fit with Robert Sala? You know, you've been in the 3-4 system down there in the Miami Dolphins. You know, you were with the 4-3 with McDermott. But before that, you were in the 3-4 with Rex Ryan. But coming back to this 4-3 scheme, something that you did in college at Clemson, uh, what has you excited about this new scheme? Man, this 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 scheme is for the defensive line to make plays. It, you don't got you don't got to think. You just attack, and you just go make plays when you're one on one. So I feel like in the past, you know how the uh, Rex Ryan defense was. It was complicated. It was it was hard, and that's how it was for me last year. And then at the time in Houston, we played a four three, but it was like we we're a lot of six technique, and when we had a lot of uh, spill team too, so it was a lot different than just getting off the ball, blow, just call chaos, chaos. So um, that's it, it's, it's taking the thinking out of football. It just lets you be the af- athlete and the player I can be in this game. The Jets love your junkyard dog mentality. Um, you bring it on and off the field. I was talking to Leger about you before. He said, as a rookie, man, you were always yapping. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's I mean that's what made the game fun to me. Um, that's 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 part of my game. I like to talk. I like to talk at practice. That's why I feel like the place I just left. I couldn't. I couldn't be that guy. I I couldn't. I couldn't be that guy at all. Um, I basically couldn't really say nothing at all. But uh, like they said, they wanted that junkyard dog. And like I said in the interview, I'm just that's I'm back to myself because that's what I like to do. Like. I'm going to chop, talk, but I'm going to lead this team and um, help these boys out. Let's let's talk about some of your, your defensive line mates, right? You got Quentin Williams, Sheldon Rankins, Foley Fadakoski, John, John Franklin Myers, you know, playing defensive end that can kick inside at the three technique. With all these guys at defensive tackle, how does that help you as a defensive end as far as creating havoc and getting to the quarterback? Man, you know, Quentin, Quentin had an eight-and-a-half sack last year, you know, that's that's gonna make my job a little easy when you got two guys that can push the pocket and collapse the pocket and help the two ends get sacks, man. It, it all works together. You you never know who's gonna get it. I might help them out, just make the quarterback step up to get a sack. But those guys, they can play the run, play play in the pass game. So you got two legit guys that can two legit inside guys that can really do it all. Uh, speaking of doing it all, how much pride do you take in what you bring to the table in terms of being a run defender? 
Oh, I take pride of that, you know. That's that's how you get to the third and long. If you don't stop the run, it might be a long day. And dude, dudes can act, uh, answer this for me, man. We, we had a couple games in my rookie in Buffalo. We played Miami, and we just couldn't stop them, stop the run. So after that, I just I just took pride in stopping the run. And because you start to run on first down, get them a negative play, second and long. They got to get a play on a get-back track, a screen, or throwing the ball. So that's setting up opportunities to get sacks. Yeah, Shaq, we ain't going to relive none of those moments. We're going to talk about all that. All right? <laughs> my, my final thing for you, um, when it comes to Shaq Lawson, what do you want Jet Nation to know about you? Mm. Uh, I'm on the Jet Nation know. I'm a guy that's going to give everything they got on the field, a guy that's big in the community, Right now, I'm working on some uh, to give back to the flood folk that happened to flood up here. So, you know, I'm gonna be real big on the community and and do on, do good on and off the field with that. So, uh, I want I want the Jet guys know they're gonna get the best version of Shaq, man. The, the the version of Shaq when I when I had got paid that year in Buffalo. So, uh, all right, Shaq, I got a few questions for you. How much is your AFC East familiarity gonna help you? Because you started your career with the Bills. You saw you excel last year with the Dolphins, and now you're wearing the green and white. Yeah, I can't get out this division to save my life. But nah, <laughs> but it, it, I mean, I mean, it, I guess it means something. You know, you stand around the division, you play these teams twice a year, so they really know what type of player you are, though. So they really getting a good look at you all year. So, I that's what the media asked me uh, other day. Like, you've been on the whole AFC, you just missing the Patriots. I'm like, man, I must be doing something right in this division. They're keeping me around. Yeah, you don't want to go to New England. Hey, I, I, nah, nah. Is it is it special for you to go and play in Carolina? Of course, you grew up in South Carolina, but you're going to Charlotte this weekend to play the Carolina Panthers week one with your new team. Do you have any family coming to the game? Oh, oh yes, sir. I'm about a I'm about an hour and th- forty minutes away from that stadium. So I'm gonna have a lot of family coming that game. It should be, it should be great. Uh, what are the numbers and how many guys have you had to hit yeah, up for I'm, tickets exactly. so far? Uh, family member, I got about 15. Okay. I'm, I'm giving them up a debt tickets though. They're gonna have to sit at the top. Right. About, <laughs> that, boy, that boy playing for free this week, EA. Playing, hey, that's hey, what it sounds like, you feel me? No state taxes. Well, we in oh. Carolina state taxes, but. There you go. Hey, don't give away state secrets, but what what are you seeing up front from the Panthers? How do they try to attack, and how unique is preparing for an opponent in week one where you haven't seen them play in the last three or four regular season games? Yeah, it's yeah. week one always be you, you got to go back and look at their preseason games, maybe in the last year games, like or – some some guys that haven't been there, you might have to go to another team and watch their tape. Uh, that's what I've been doing. But you know, you know they got a great back. You know, um, Christian McCaffrey. We got to stop the run. We got to stop the run and get get up and get them in third and long. You know, you know Sam Donald playing against his former team, so you know he's gonna be hype about that. But if we we make one dimensional man, we can have a great great day out there. As, as far as this offensive line from Carolina, besides Tyler Moten at right tackle, you know, a lot of these guys aren't world beaters. What have you guys seen on the defensive line watching film that you guys can take advantage of? 
Oh, uh, we could take a, take advantage of um, a lot, man. You know, like you said, Martin probably the best offensive line. But the other guys up there are solid too. You know, um, like I said, like like this defense, man. You attack, you rush, crush, close. So, man, we just gotta affect affect the quarterback. You know, those guys good. I know Cam Irvin uh, supposed to be on the other side, left tackle. I played against him a couple times in college. Um, been he has he said Dallas last year. So we just gotta be able to be able to attack them and change up different moves and give them different looks. For most of last year, you didn't play in front of capacity crowds. I mean, maybe at best you're playing in front of a few thousand people. What do you think it's going to be like to go to a road venue first, but then come back to MetLife Stadium and see every seat in the house occupied and those buildings being so loud once again? Man, it's, it's going to be great. You know, last year, I remember week one, and it was like, are we playing a scrimmage? You know, because the fans got a lot to do with the game, you know, a fan, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And at home, that's like the sixth man for the team, you know. So when you have the fans involved, getting loud on third down, it helps us as a defense to get off the field. Uh, Shaq, we appreciate your time today. Thanks for uh, chatting it up with a former teammate and myself. Good luck this weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, hey, make sure we see Ty Crane, man. I want Ty Crane to come out. Man, I got you, man. I'm about to DM, DM, DM you my new number right now. All right, man. All right, all that's right. all we have time this week uh, for the official Jets podcast. But uh, Leger and I will be back next week right here. Enjoy the game. Enjoy opening weekend.